Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Okay, everybody. Welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I am here with Ash Amberjay, who is a longtime friend of mine. She is the founder and CEO of the Middle Finger Project. She has dedicated her life to helping people fucking quit their jobs and live the lives that they wanted to live. Uh, she's also written a book. It's also called The Middle Finger Project. It's published by Penguin Random House. It came out in February of 2020. Is that right? I remember February yes, 2020. The, the perfect time to launch a book. Oh, I know. I'm so, but yet it did so, so well. Like the book is fantastic. It was probably, guys, just so you know, The Middle Finger Project was the best book that I read in 2020. And Ash has really dedicated her entire life to helping people embrace their purpose, find their voice, um, choose a life that is of their own creation. She it works with, she works with all people, but she works with mainly women. Right. Would you say that or a lot of men as well? Mainly women, because we talk a lot about money and women are the ones that have the hardest time asking for it. I also have had a hard time in my life asking for it. And just so you guys know, she is Ashley is on the Get the Fuck Off podcast because without her, Get the Fuck Off would not exist. Like it just would not exist. Like, I mean, I she has been my guide on the side the entire time. She has been such an amazing friend. She has been a coach. She has been an inspiration. I have been inspired by you for I since I met you, since we, we both went to Wilkes University back in Pennsylvania, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and studied communications. And my first time overseas was with this woman. Um, we traveled together. <laughs> And yeah, it's kind of funny because she spends her life now. She she travels the world. I mean, she really lives um, an amazing, amazing life and is just an entrepreneurial genius, a pioneer in online business. But I wanted you to be on the podcast today because my podcast is about mindset shifts. And a lot of the people that I work with have a really hard time embracing their worth, embracing their value, embracing the way that thinking about themselves in a new way. And I know that I did for a long time. And I would love for you to just start out by talking about what you do and, you know, uh, maybe even some of the origins of the work that you do with the Middle Finger Project. And then we can talk more later about what you're doing now. But just so that my listeners get a little bit of a background about you before we jump, jump into some of this stuff. Well, I mean, I think the most important thing you need to know is that I will never forget you and I in London uh, walking through the grocery store and seeing this product for trapped wind and us cracking up. That was the beginning of our friendship. Right? That was it. She, that was the moment. 
And they just say gas. <laughs> that was what you said. <laughs> I had a blast gas. that trip. And that was what, 2006 or 2005 2006. or so. So you and I, yeah, it's been mutual admiration since then, since I met you, since I know you. And yeah, I mean, I think you and I share a similar background where we both come from rather economically depressed areas where it's really kind of a crapshoot what you're going to become and do with your life. And there's a lot on the table that you could do. But I think when you start from that kind of a background, uh, it's mentally more difficult to imagine yourself as doing all these really cool things, like having this amazing podcast that you now have, or like going and publishing this book with this major publisher, or starting your own company, or following your actual passions, which is so cliche, but it's the truth. Um, and a lot of people that I grew up with, you know, that's not what they see done. So it becomes something that is not recommended. And I, I think that the whole purpose of the Middle Finger Project was to give those people a voice who had that like inkling to do that thing, whether it's writing, photography, knitting, creating, I mean, whatever you want to do, coaching. But you've got all the other dream zappers in the background being like, meh, you know, when are you going to make with that? Okay, how's your little side project going there, Annie? You know, and you get that a lot. So I started the Middle Finger Project for those people. And I started documenting my own journey on how I was doing exactly that. And then I just never stopped. Isn't that creepy? No, you just <laughs> continued. You just continued. And you continued to create. I mean, because not only now are you helping people all over the world embrace their power, but you're continuing to create, like you're continuing to create new things for yourself. You're continuing to create new experiences. I mean, I watch so many things going on in your life and it's just fantastic. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the people that you are helping, because I know that you have been, you know, involved with people pretty deeply through the years. And what would you say is the main reservation that you see people having that they can't allow abundance or allow new experiences into their lives? You know, Andy, there's a, there's a lot, you know, being a coach, there's a lot of mental fuckery that gets in the way of, of really simple logistics. Like so much of starting your business, starting a side hustle, um, even just you know pursuing a new hobby, so much of it is really simple and straightforward, but we make it so complicated with all the mental narratives that we have, all the stories we tell ourselves about who we are, uh, what we should be doing with our time, our identity, our identity. You and I have had so many conversations about identities. Yes. So identity, oh. exactly. And I would love for us to dive into that because I seriously, one of the, the so get the fuck, my coaching has three parts. And the first part is eliminate limiting beliefs. Um, the second part is renegotiate your identity. And the third part is micro steps forward. And renegotiating your identity, I think is probably one of the biggest pieces and the piece that gets talked the least about. And you as a person who grew up in a trailer park in Pennsylvania, I mean, I know that, you know, you can read about it in, in Ash's book, um, also on her website. I mean, there's a great bio, but she has really just created a reality of, you know, who she saw herself to be and wanted to be and wanted to show up as in the world. And for people, they get stuck in this identity. They get stuck in their own identities. So what, what's your view on it? Like, what's your view on what these people, what's keeping these people trapped? What's keeping these people that you work with stuck in 
in identity. Gosh, you know, I feel like so much of it is your environment. I, when I had this critical breaking point, I will call it between my old identity and my new one, it was, it was because I was forced to, I was forced to leave my home. I was forced, you know, we we graduated college. I was forced to try to land in a new city. And when I was in Philadelphia for the very first time looking around me, I saw that everybody else lived this very different life than I was living. And it was weird. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what anything, I didn't even know what Starbucks was then. I'd never even gotten to a goddamn Starbucks. So I was looking around and I really had no choice but to try to imitate the people I saw around me to, to attempt to fit in. And I struggle with this because I think that a large part of what I'm saying is, yes, fake it until you make it. But I also really, really take issue with that as a personal philosophy because I think so much of your value in life, in your professional career comes from your unique individual contributions and voice. So those two things are very conflicting. But I will say that at some level, I think it's actually important that you just gotta pretend like you are the queen of Sheba for you know a week, try it on for a month, try on a new identity for a month and see how it feels and approach it like an experiment and work your way into that So then you can start feeling more comfortable coming out and and just exactly saying what you think and being who you are, which is really the most important part of that. But it's not so easy to get from A to B, is it? It's easy to get from A to B if you chunk it down. If you chunk it down and you just like, okay, like there's going to be this little step and then there's going to be this little step and then there's going to be this little step. And sometimes with your identity, I mean, it is, it is that, I mean, sometimes it's just, okay, well, today I'm going to try to drink Starbucks, even though, you know, I grew up making instant coffee or, or <laughs> as, as my ex-boyfriend talks about, you know, my ex-boyfriend, you and I have talked about boils milk in a pot and then puts the instant coffee into the pot. It is. It's it's something, but it's it's something that people have to do. And I think that imitating strategy is one thing and then embracing your own voice is another. And I think that um, since discovering that voice is such a big piece of what you do and helping people really embrace their voice. Tell me a little bit about what you see holding people back. Like, what are they afraid of? One of the weirdest, biggest things that I see all the time is the misconception that you have to first be number one in your field or what you do um, in order to finally step up and become an authority in that field. This is something I I see all the time. And there's just this fear. And I I don't even think it's perfection. I think it's really just um, feeling like you're not authorized to contribute. You're not authorized to do this thing because who am I to do X in quotes, right? Um, And I think the way that it is helpful to start to shift that is going from this idea of, I, you know, am an expert in my field, nixing that kind of posture and turning it into one that's like, hey, I'm genuinely here to help because I'm genuinely interested in solving this problem. So here's the best way that I can contribute today. And would that be useful for you? So whether it's clients, whether it's showing up online, whether it's having a dialogue and starting a conversation, 
approaching it from this position, a very humble position of, I'm just here to help, like however I can help, takes away a lot of, I think, that imposter syndrome that we all start right. getting into. And like, I have to be the best before I can even dare charge money for my services or something. You were the, the one, I think, that told me about the concept of authorizing yourself. Was it you? <laughs> were you were, it, it's, such a, it's such a great concept. And I think that people can apply it to everything. And, you know, I think you and I have had a lot of conversations where we've discovered that the science of what I do and what you do and a lot of people do is kind of all the same science. Like it's all kind of moving into moving into something before anybody else tells you that you can or should. Yes. Yeah. No, no. Authorizing yourself. I mean, you've got a lot of great stuff to say. We need to hear it. Yeah. I think people want to, you know, there is still this lingering and you have a very, a very loud and proud voice, which is so important to people because it's so relatable and you're so, you know, you're so intelligent, but this is like, this is seriously, I didn't realize this before I spoke to you. Like I had no idea that I could do something like that. And I think that's what a lot of, a lot of of my clients will come to me with this whole idea of, well, who am I? Like, who am I to do who you've said to me, like, who, who is anybody? Like, we're all making, you know, we're all making it up. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> who is anybody, man? I mean, seriously, I, I think there's a part in my book where I talk about the fact that once I realized that, like, the guy who is making the rules that you are so worried about following literally had a quarter pounder for lunch and has a dog named Wedgie. When I figured that out, I was like, oh, really? I mean, come on. Seriously, people are just human and that's it. And it doesn't matter how old they are or how much experience they have in any given field. <laughs> sometimes I was just telling, a, I was just telling a friend of mine this afternoon, I feel sometimes because, you know, I'm newly sober. So I feel sometimes like I'm 15 years old because I'm going through, I have, I'm going through life as a new person. So some of it's fine. Like, like what we're doing right now, this is normal for me. Like I have been using a microphone and a computer since I was at Wilkes university, you know, like, I, you know, I know how to do this. You know what I don't know how to do? Have sex. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, have you ever like, but seriously, like the, the idea of like moving into trying to pursue or trying to start a relationship and have sex with someone for the first time without like three glasses of wine. Like you would think you would think that would be like this thing, but like, yo dude, like that's not something that comes natural. Like if you don't, if you've been having three glasses of wine before you have sex for the, for your, the first time in your life, like it's, it's great. But like, then you go to not have the wine and you're like, you're like 14 years old on the band camp school bus, like trying to figure out how to like hold the boy's hand. Like it's, I didn't think you were going to say hand. <laughs> trying to figure out. <laughs> you're going to say hand, Andy, but isn't that the beauty of it? Like you have this new adventure now. How cool is that? Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I think like that's what like I, I see that a lot in you about like just approaching life with possibility. Like, well, how do you approach your every day? Like, I know a little bit about it, but like tell tell the listeners, if you don't mind, about just how do you approach life? Like, how do you approach the daily? How do you approach how do you approach this space where you are able to create so well and so much? Well, you know. 
I took it very much to heart when I read that quote on Pinterest somewhere that was like, if not you, who? <laughs> but no, in reality, like, it's true. The other day, I started, you know, I started this new creative writing newsletter called Meat and Hair. Meat and Hair. I literally Meat named it that. Yes, based on this one literary critic's quote I saw that said, if you like your prose with meat and hair, and I just loved it because I was like, yes, that describes my style. That is it. And, and I wanted a place where uh, we could curate some of the best, most irreverent, most creative, interesting, uh, you know, excerpts and pieces of writing because none of us have enough exposure to that. We have exposure to really boring instruction manuals and things and really awful internet content that nobody wants to fucking read. So I was like, oh, that'd be really nice if that existed. It didn't exist. So who's gonna do it? I mean, I, you know, it's some level of personal responsibility, I think, to creating the things that you want in your life. Just figure out what you're missing and then go make the thing and then your life is better and you get to make money doing it. Cool. You know, that's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I'm so excited about meat and hair. I am like, I think that that is so necessary. I think the name is fucking awesome, but you did, you just created it. I've had a lot of upset vegans, but not really just, you know, like har har. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to get that for the rest of my life. But yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Like all of the internet is a just giant trash pile of, of stuff. And everyone's having these conversations all the time about, well, how can we get discovered? How can we get noticed? How can we have attention? And the answer for me has always been better writing. So I think that this is a really, it's a nice, it's a business solution using a creative uh, medium. Oh yeah. So yeah, you find the things that you wish existed and you start them. <laughs> like, that's simple. Seriously though, tell me more about it. I want to, I want to hear more about it. I mean, like you have done this over and over and over again. And I think there needs to be a view. Like, I think what holds people back, what I see holding people back is that they look at the world. I think a lot of people that listen to the podcast really don't look at the world as if it's just a blank canvas. Like they look at the world kind of like I looked at the world where every, where I have to operate in the parameters of what people are telling me to do. And it's so, it's such a weird thing to be able to not operate that way. And to a lot of people. And then when you start doing it, you realize like, let's get the fuck off. Like this didn't exist. I was like, I want this to exist. So I'm going to make this. And I learned that from you. What is it? What was the, the, the mindset shift that got you to realize, and I read about it in your book, but I mean, I read a lot about, you know, I, the story of how you got to start doing these things, but what was the mindset shift that you had that made you realize a oh, shit? Like I can actually just make up my reality. Oh gosh. Well, I'm trying to think like, what was the scene she read about in the book? Which one is she referring to in my head? I'm like referring to so many, but a couple of things were very useful for me. I think when I was coming of age, if you will, but one of them was really just being treated like shit for a really long time in a job that I didn't like and feeling like they didn't care about my creative contributions and they didn't want me to, you know, treat it as if it were a blank canvas. They're like, oh no, 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 like, that's against the rules. <laughs> um, you got to do what we say. 
You got to operate with, within our shit <laughs> parameters. Right. And what was interesting to me though, is that in some of the experiments I had started running because I, I was in sales, right? So like you basically just live off of what you kill and then that's it. So for me, I think there was this element of wanting to do things more creatively because I'm a creative person who really enjoys tackling a challenge from that perspective wanting to go in that avenue because this is my livelihood and then having all these rules put upon me and having, you know, the, the manager who flew in from, he was like the director of the whole Northeast and did this ride along with me. And he was very dismayed when we came out of a meeting because he said that uh, I needed to tone it down and that I wasn't there to make friends. I was there to make money. Ooh. And I remember being like, oh, aren't you short-sighted and smug? But of course, like, I was just like, maybe he's right because I didn't get the deal. I don't know. Five minutes later, those people called me on the phone. and They're like, Ash, we thought about it. We don't want just one ad. We want like 17 or something. And it was great because I felt like it was the perfect timing right after he had said that to me. But either way, I was going through this job and seeing that a lot of the experiments I was running with more creative approaches to the sales position were effective. They were working. And I was still being told not to do it. And it seemed utterly just such bureaucratic red tape that it pissed me off inside because I, I just couldn't understand how anyone can go through their life sitting there nodding their head, taking orders that they know are bullshit. And, and, Right. Like there's something to be said there, I think, about the difference between authority for authority's sake and authority for the sake of imparting wisdom. And I wasn't seeing a lot of that. I was seeing a lot of authority for authority's sake because this is the way it's always been done. And this is my job. And these are the rules. And it just started to really provoke me in ways that I hadn't been provoked and that's when I started realizing that if I was figuring these things out slowly but surely and all of my clients loved me, they, I mean, I was getting these big deals that no one else in the company was getting, people were getting mad at me. <laughs> I figured that if I could do that for that company, I could probably do that for myself. So to answer your question, a lot of my early gall, I will say, or nerve to take this risk was because a part of my position involved a great amount of risk. So I had that nice that nice advantage. I don't know what, when other people are working in roles, they probably aren't given so much rope. Huh? I mean, I think that a lot of people are given tasks and they don't have to necessarily be creative to start out with. So that's probably, that's probably a part of it. But I think, you know, I think that that's, it's so important because even if you don't necessarily like even if like somebody is listening to this and they they don't necessarily want to you know they're not necessarily having an upset with their career or or whatnot I think a lot of people just believe that they have to operate by a rule book they have to operate within what a society tells them is acceptable and a lot of times that's why people are stuck in everything is because someone outside of you told you this has to be this way. Like someone told you that 
you have to do things X, Y, Z, because that's the way that it goes. And when you foxy fuck off to that, <laughs> you know, it, it really, things start to change. And it starts with just like really basic shit. I mean, from my experience, it starts with basic shit. Like you were the first person that I said to you, I said, I want to do X, Y, Z. You said to me, start writing publicly. That was the first thing that you told me. It was like two years ago. You are like, or a year and a half. I don't know. And you were like, start writing publicly. Start writing publicly as much as possible. Just write publicly. Just, and I was like thinking to myself, okay, like that's the simplest advice in the world. Like what, like what is that going to do? Like, I'm going to write publicly so that my coworker at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company can, you know, put an angry face on it on Facebook. Like, what does this mean, write publicly? But then I realized, oh, fuck, the world is big. The world is big and it's filled with possibility. And if I do this one thing, the, there, there will be people that are on the same line of thinking that will align with me. And everything that you're doing is that you have alignment with all of these communities of people that have come together from all over the world and different people that have been on the journey with, with you, alongside of you, learning from you, that have found purpose because they've been willing to think of things big. And I would love for you to talk about to just to talk about that a little bit about like different experiences that you've had because you've been able to open your mind to how big the world really is. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, writing publicly is a great testament to that because you start to realize that, wow, uh, this can travel <laughs> like anyone all over the world can see your post. But more importantly, I think the use and value of writing your ideas down publicly, it's a really great exercise to start to see actually what you actually think about stuff, what your own opinions are. Most of us don't even know what we think about stuff because of the same thing we were just talking about. All of the, the entire lifetime of following rules and just waiting for someone else to tell us what the next step is, waiting for someone else to give us a promotion and here's what you're supposed to do next. Or, you know, God forbid your spouse forcing you into like the next step of marriage and all of these things that other people are basically deciding for you. It's really difficult because you never have a lot of alone time with your own ideas. One of the best way to figure out what you really do think is to start writing. But then you add the layer of writing publicly to the mix. And it's really valuable because you foster this positive feedback loop where other people then do find your writing, they find your words, and they're the people that are like, yeah, I totally, I, I think I agree with that. And then you gain this little nudge of confidence because all of those other people who are hanging out on Aunt Darla's porch being, you know, totally negative Nancy dream zappers, uh, those guys don't matter anymore as much because now you've gotten some validation from another place. Validation is another thing I have kind of a love-hate relationship with, but I think it's really important when you're first starting off and you don't know if what you're doing is right. You need some force of, of positive reinforcement. Maybe it's a better word than validation. That's positive um, reinforcement. Go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah. I mean, but writing publicly your ideas is such a great way to start seeing that a, you're capable of having ideas. B, other people will really enjoy your ideas. And I think it's a great way to then say, okay, well, what's next then? If I think these things, then that's maybe the first step in, in trying to realign your identity into a new way. Like if I think these things, well then, 
what does that mean about the life that I'm living? Am I living in alignment with the things that I actually think? For me, I wasn't. I was writing a bunch of stuff that I was like, this is what I really think about life. And then I was over here like going to this job or you know, applying to grad school and doing things because I thought that this was the thing I was supposed to do. I've never a day used my graduate degree. I spent two years and a lot of money getting it, never used it once in any kind of application or professional setting. Um, but yeah, the world is huge. And I think it's critical to realize that it doesn't matter how you show up in it. If you're wild or you're loud like me, or you're quote too much for other people, or you're just kind of funky, or maybe you're kind of shy, whatever your personality, whatever your style, whatever your ideas are, when you put them out there publicly, you give other people a way to find you. And there are people out there who will think that you are absolutely awesome and perfect just the way you are. You don't have to wait until you're like top of the field and you've got 10 years of experience and then you finally have something important to say. You can start sharing now whatever ideas you have with this very eager, honest way of just showing up to contribute. And that alone is going to start this whole ripple effect of all the dominoes going, and you're going to all of a sudden find yourself with a podcast called Get the Fuck Off and all sorts of coaching clients that you've never met. And you're like, who am I? What happened? Where do they come from? Like, where do they come? People, people reach out to you out of the blue and are just like, hi, I heard your podcast. And I'm like, where, where did you come from? Like, where did you come from? But I didn't realize where you helped me realize. Yeah, I realized it. I realized it sort of that the world was big. I sort of realized it. I sort of realized it. I didn't think that there were how many billion people in the world. Like I, I realized the world was big, but how do you realize the world is big? And then you, you talk to the same 20 people, you know, and the same 20 people, <laughs> you know, like you realize the world is big, but then everybody that you talk to, you know, works in a restaurant with, because you worked in a restaurant and, and you're that, that was my life. I love the word alignment in the coaching space. Well, you are a coach. I mean, you, you're a coach. You've done so more coaching than I've done. Alignment is such an important word. And it's what a lot of people are seeking because a lot of things do come from outside of you. Like a lot of things and a lot of people don't realize, I love the concept of like, okay, like you're realizing now that you're thinking thoughts and what the thoughts are. Do you think that a lot of people, I guess I don't want to say like, do you think a lot of people are out of touch with their thoughts? But do you think a lot of people are out of touch with their thoughts? I mean, do you think a lot of people just, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah that's actually, this is the best way to phrase it. I think so, because no one ever asks. No one ever asks anybody what their thoughts are on anything. You have to take the personal agency to decide to put your own thoughts out there on paper or on the internet or just even for yourself in a journal to say like, okay, here's what I think. I think this is really important. If you go through life without ever having an actual opinion on anything, I think it makes it very difficult to ever feel satisfied because what are you working toward? And I know, I know you have an opinion on this, but I mean, I think people's hangups is like, I'm not going to be liked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's better that you don't. I've talked about this before, but I think this this seems to hammer at home better for other people than me just saying it. But when I was going through this book publishing process, one of the first things my editor at motherfucking Random House said to me, someone who's very experienced in this, in this idea of 
disseminating ideas to a mass marketplace, one of the first things she said to me was, all right, the job of your book is to make 50% of the population hate it. Boom. That's it. Wild. You need to write. You need to write with that mentality. Don't try to write a book that everyone's going to agree with because it's not possible. And it just waters everything down. It makes you look like a big old pansy. You got to write something that has a strong point of view. You have to write something that 50% will disagree with because that means that the other 50% are going to go wild, so excited, you know, to support it. And that's how the dynamics work. The same thing applies to you if you are worried about starting something and not being liked. It's a requirement for you to approach it the opposite. What can I do that 50% of people aren't going to like it? Yeah, because people are people pleasers. And, and, I, and I have this line. Do you agree with this? People pleasers never please anybody. They're just like, they're just like wet farts. Like they never, they never please anybody. Like I'm a people pleaser. You please no one. Do you ever go out to dinner with a people pleaser? Where do you want to eat? I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to order? I don't know. What do you want for an appetizer? I don't know. Whatever you want. I want you to decide. Where do you want to meet? I don't know. People pleasers don't please anyone. And I am in a community. I, I, I've been, I'm in a bunch of fucking communities, but like one of the, a community that I'm in, you know, I noticed this a lot with, and you and I have talked about this. I want to talk about this on the podcast. You and I have talked about generations <laughs> and seeing the differences in generations and <laughs> the baby boomer generation. I love baby boomers. Like God bless them. Like God bless them and, and everything about them. But the one thing that baby boomers struggle with that, you know, you and I are older millennials that we don't so much struggle with is saying what they mean. Like they have trouble and it's because they were taught you shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't be that way. And it's like, but you're, they were, they're the generation of people pleasers. You don't please anyone. You're being in an online forum with a bunch of baby boomers. Like no one ever says anything. Oh, I think we experience that with a lot of our friends' parents as well. Just like this very, I would say, conservative, old-fashioned mentality that women, you know, are seen and not heard almost kind of a thing that still kind of vibrates through some of the cultural aspects of life. It's weird. I mean, some of the, you know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere with very small towns, very old-fashioned kind of traditions and when I started the middle finger project, I got a couple of eyebrow raises. I mean, it's like, what, who does she think she is? I, people do say that about you. So I think it's useful to, to realize that, yeah, people aren't going to like it. Who cares? I people mean, aren't going to like you. I mean, people aren't going to like you. I mean, and I think that that's, that's important. Like a lot of times I was reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck at the beginning of the pandemic. I had not read it before. Um, Mark. Mark. His book was next to mine and someone just shot like a cute photo of it, his new one, because it's teal and mine is hot pink. And they were like, book, baby. Do you guys yes. know each other? No, not personally, but our books do. Your books are like, because both of you kind of started blogging around the same time. I wanted to talk about this. Actually, I, I'm going to go back to this because I, I think about you and I think about Mark Manson a lot. I think about you guys because... I graduated from college in 2008, you know this, and I was young and I was scared and I was, I just moved to New York and my parents home, there was a lot, there was a lot of stuff going on. 
I could not go back there. I could not fail. I could not have to go back to be in that environment. So I got scared and I didn't do anything. And then I see, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in the online space really, even though there was not a lot of money in 2008, 2009, 2010, I mean, it was a bad economic winter and you, you built an empire starting in an economic winter and we are in an economic winter again. And a lot of people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about business. I know that business is, is more your specialty, but it doesn't have to be about business. It could be about anything. A lot of people feel that when we're in a time of a global pandemic or a time of an economic recession or a time like that, that that is not the time. And I would argue that this is the time. And how do you feel about it? People making change. I think it's the best time. It's the best time to start something because A, you're going to have a lot less competition. B, people are so happy. Right now, I walk around the neighborhood and I'm excited. I'm like looking for new stuff. Okay, who came in? Who leased this window space? Who did what? I see a new business. I want to go support them. I'm really pumped because now it feels like we're starting fresh. It's a new opportunity for all of us. So I'm actually more inspired to support businesses that are going out there and just taking this leap because it feels almost like a public service. It doesn't feel like most people feel when they start a business, like, oh, I got to convince people to buy from me. No, I'm thrilled that you're here. And and I I think starting a business right now is a great idea. You're going to get way, I mean, well, that's a whole different ball game if you're like leasing actual space, but you can get way better, better deals right now. I mean, you have so much more opportunity to negotiate and play ball and see what happens. And if you're just trying to get us started online, I mean, people right now really need the support and whatever you have to offer and say and do think, uh, contribute, like people right now need to hear it. I agree with you. I think that people really do. And people are afraid. I mean, I know a couple of people that are actors that are like, yeah, I got to wait till theater comes back because there's no opportunity right now. And I'm like, you have an iPhone, like take a video, put it on the internet. Like you have, you have the capability. Like it's not, this doesn't need to become some big, big, huge to do. Like you have an opportunity and, uh, you know, thinking about like, thinking about people that started blogging when no one was blogging, like you were blogging when no one was blogging and you, you followed a, a concept that, I mean, Tony Robbins talks about this, a really successful people talk about this and that you were willing to do whatever it takes. You wrote a press release about your blog. I mean, you were willing to do whatever it takes. And do you think, like, how do I want to phrase this? It's a game. I mean, so so much of that is a game. We were talking about this a minute ago. I think this is kind of what you were getting at too. How do you do that? How do you start? How do you just get the confidence to do those things? And looking at it like it's a fun experiment to be had is such a useful mindset shift as opposed to like this like giant, decision that may or may not work out like it's it's like you know what all right we'll be responsible financially maybe you want to save a couple bucks fine but like on the side go go for it just as an experiment if it fails I always talk about this with the duck nards I love this analogy because I'm always like listen if you went into a restaurant and decided to try a new dish you ordered some duck nards (laughs) and then the dish comes and you're like "Mm, actually this is disgusting you're not going to go to the bathroom and berate yourself because you are a failure for not enjoying those duck nards. 
you're not the fault is on the duck nards not you so yeah. you try a new restaurant or try a new dish like and I wish all of us could approach life and our work and our passions a little bit more like that. If you try something and you don't like it, it doesn't work out. You suck at it. It's kind of like, man, it's not your fault. Maybe the thing wasn't right. People, I, I agree. Maybe the thing wasn't right. And I mean, a lot of the things like a lot of my clients will have, will fall into this trap of, okay, well, I, I didn't do this for, for this amount of time. So like, I, I'm a big failure and it's like, you're not a big failure. Like I, I'm working with somebody right now. Didn't talk to me for quite a few, quite a few days. And, and that was back. But like a lot of people have this idea that, oh, I, I missed a, I missed a little while, or I didn't work on this for this period of time. So I must be a big failure. And this, this just isn't going to work out. And I'm thinking like, dude Andy's gonna be very disappointed in me yes totally like Andy doesn't give two fucking shits like uh like like Andy doesn't give two fucking shits like you 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 come back like you start over like it's not a big deal and a lot of people are 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 thinking like oh I missed a week or I missed a a whatever and I'm thinking well you've had the same existence now for like what like 40 years like I, I had a client that was that was over 20 years older than me you you've been this way for what 40 years like you've been in this mindset that you don't like for 40 years it's going to take a little while you might miss a week that doesn't mean you're a failure it means that you missed a week out of you know all this time that you're putting in like if you spent 40 years being one way it's going to take a while like people i think people want this this instant gratification so they think if they don't do something for you know or or if they miss or if they're not you know whatever it's like then you missed then, then then you didn't do it like oh you haven't been journaling okay pick it back up you like, fucking loser you haven't been journaling <laughs> like seriously pick I'm it kidding up. but like yeah you talk you talk about this all the time about the idea of being a work in progress in, in one of your emails you talked about sunk costs and how people are afraid to start over and I see that with so many things. I, I would love for you to talk about it. I mean, the other day I was even thinking about this. I think about this with everything, with literally everything. This is one of those perspective shifts for sure. The other day, I forget what I ordered. It was some gluttonous meal of like total, just like gluttony. And I remember saying to myself, well, like, if you don't want to eat it, it doesn't matter. You already paid for it. So it doesn't matter. Like if you, if you eat it now or you don't eat it, it doesn't matter. You've already paid for it. So it literally now, the next choice you make is completely independent of the other one you made to pay for it. So the sunk cost is there. Now is a whole new decision that you have to make. And the same thing happens with careers, especially people who feel like they've invested eight years to become a doctor. I get that one a lot. Attorney is also a very high probability that you might not be happiest in your role if you're not really an attorney kind of person. And there's that guilt that comes in. Well, I spent all that time and all that money and all that effort and all that energy. And I'm always like, yes, you did spend eight years doing all of that, but you know, you're miserable now. And do you want to spend the next 40 also then being yeah. miserable? Right. Right. Like right. the actual trade-off. It's so important. It's, and it's so important because people really do. They allow that to, okay, well, people will hold on to 
almost trauma, they'll hold on to it because they'll be like, I invested so much time. Like, I mean, like, you know, I'm an alcoholic, right? So like, I, I thought like when I was going to stop drinking, I'm thinking, but like, I've spent my whole life being this way. I've spent my whole life building this identity. I'm the cool person that smokes cigarettes and I go to the bar and I do this. I've spent fucking 20 years building this identity. Then you have that, that you have an emotional sunk cost. You have an emotional, and we were talking about changing your identity in the beginning. You have an emotional sunk cost. People don't want to, they don't want to shift because they're like, but I've already like, given so many years it's like well okay so so are you going to just lay down and die now or or what are you going to do (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good you need to I don't know if this is a thing already or if you need to coin it but the idea of this emotional sunk cost is really great like that needs to be all over your entire website my friend that is so good (laughs) she's always she's always giving me business advice even on the podcast (laughs) Oh, earlier when you were talking, I was like, it was like, oh, I can see it now. I was like the tagline, like Andy doesn't give a fuck about yesterday. Andy only cares about today. It's so true. Present moment. I mean, it, it's a whole thing. It's like, well, okay. You spend a long time being this way. And I think a lot of people don't like a lot of people have trouble relating one aspect to the other, like with careers. Like they, they think about like, they can maybe wrap their head around it. Like, okay, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. They might be able to wrap their head around it. And then it's like, okay, well, do you want to be a person that, you know, takes it up the ass with a spiky dildo anymore, people pleaser, or do you want to be a person that stands up and, and, you know, it's like people have trouble wrapping their head around the fact that agency Agency is a big word. We've talked about agency. People have trouble wrapping their head around agency. They, they have trouble wrapping their head around power. If you could tell these people something, so if you had a client come to you that just could not wrap their head around power, like what would you say to this person? I think the biggest thing to understand and realize is that nobody else, nobody else has to live your life, man. Like nobody else. So all the people that you're worried about thinking that you made a foolish decision. I mean, a lot of that comes up all the time with like, well, how could you decide to do that? You were a lawyer, you had money, you had prestige, you had cachet, you had fancy suits, you had that, that certain type of cultural power, type of cultural currency. And people look at that and say, how could you ever do that to go and want to become like a blogger who blogs about knitting? To other people, that seems like a poor life decision. But I think it's so critical to realize those people don't have to live your life every day. So where do you feel like you would actually have more power? Feeling like you're sitting here in this office like with your hands tied every day or actually going out and creating something that feels really great to create that enables you to then contribute in this new fun way that you actually enjoy every day. Where is actually the greater source of power in those two things? So important. That's so, that's such a good way to look at it. It's like, where is the power? What's the, somebody asked me like three years ago, what's the definition of success? I wanted to punch him in the face. And now somebody will say, well, I want to be successful. So I want to do this. And I'll be like, what's the definition of success? And they want to punch me in the face. But what is, what's the definition of success? It's there is, there isn't one. 
Yeah. It's like, do you wake up and hate yourself in the morning? If yes. the answer is no, you're successful. <laughs> That's it. I love it. That's, that also goes on your website. <laughs> oh my God. That's, yes. <laughs> yes. You wake up in the morning Stop. and you don't hate Yes. And you don't hear that success. I mean, it's just, it's such a shift. So many people that I love and know that I have I've gotten to mentor over the years are doing these really cool things that they never thought they could do either. And then all of a sudden they discovered that they could, and then people pay, pay the money for this talent, this investment that they're putting in and they would never go back. And, and here's the kicker. These people who end up doing what they love and what they're actually excited about doing every day. Not only are they happier and more well-adjusted in life, not wanting to like fling little kitties over the side of the balcony, but they're way more rich. They're rolling in dough because that's what happens. I don't care if you're a lawyer and you make $150,000 a year, guess what? You're going to make more. And that's so cool. Like you can make great money nowadays doing things you love to do. Yeah. That's the modern economy and people need to get on board with that realization like jobs are kind of really antiquated it's an antiquated really kind of shitty way to make a living these days in my opinion I agree with you <laughs> I I agree with you and we are we are there is a shift that is happening you are a thought leader you are absolutely a thought leader in this new economy you are a thought leader in the way that the world is progressing but I really believe and especially, you know, seeing you and, and other people that I see in, in that space, that jobs really are antiquated. Jobs are antiquated. And it's really hard to think about that. But sometimes you have to, you have to be able to think. You have to be able to think outside of the parameters of what's affecting you. And what's affecting you is your mindset that was you were inherited from your baby boomer parents that came from a time when America was a center of manufacturing and jobs were, you know, like you got a job and you got a house and whatever. Well, now you got debt and we don't have, you know, that kind of shit anymore. We're, we're, in, the, we're in the global economy now and our country hasn't figured out a way to play. So individuals in the country have decided to take it upon themselves to figure out a way to provide value. And there is, a, I think, a lot of people that come to me or a lot of people that are just waking up every day, like hating their lives. It's because they're not providing value in the way that they want to provide it. And yeah. 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 When, I, when I hear you talk, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I mean, we're all very excited about it. I mean, you and I always get excited and hopped up on this topic in general, the whole topic of all the things. But like the evidence is right there in the language. Human resources. Like, that's what you are when you have a job. You're a resource. You're a factor of production. You are a literal screw that needs to be screwed into this exact place in order for a company to profit off of your labor. And yeah. is there something wrong with that? No, not necessarily. It's, it's nice. It benefits everybody in a way if it is benefiting you. If it's not benefiting you, though, there are alternatives. You don't have to be that the screw in somebody else's game. You can start your own game. You absolutely I mean, can. You're, start, you're starting games. Tell me about meat and hair. Tell me about you. You alluded to it before. But I know, and I know you have other things going on, but like, tell me what's going on. Tell me about your life right now. What's the, what's the, what's the plan? What's the, what's the day-to-day? What's the everything? 
Well, here's some interesting perspective too. Like, so with meat and hair, this is the one thing I'm focused on right now because I need to get this creative project off the ground. So what that involves is a lot of a, what is this thing going to look like? So in this case, it's a free daily newsletter that's just full of really fun, irreverent pieces, samples of writing and, and some fun commentary and some tips and ideas for just how to like find your voice again on paper and how to write and get out of that whole mode of like thinking like you have to write professionally and everything needs to sound passive and perfect. Ugh, it's awful. Um, so part of that was thinking about what do I want this thing to look like for me in my life? Like, how is this going to serve my life? So yes, the obvious piece of that is always profits at the other side of the rainbow. That's always what, you know, you're, when you're building a business, that has to be a factor. But uh, there's a lot of ways you can get there. So how am I going to do that in such a way that actually this project benefits me and doesn't drain me? So that's my number one priority. So the way that I've set this up has a lot of systems involved. There's a lot of uh, technology that happens to actually serve people. I'm working farther in advance than I ever have before with the Middle Finger Project, for example, where we've got a lot of planned out content that's already happening. So that way the systems work for me to my advantage, and then I can actually run it and enjoy my life. And I don't have to be consumed by it. That's the first piece that I always look at. And then the second piece is how is this actually going to serve other people? I mean, it realistically has to in order for this to work. So if you're getting a daily newsletter, for example, uh, there's a lot that has to be thought about in terms of like, what's really the value of that here? Are people going to keep opening this? Is this something that they're actually going to want? What's the actual point of it? Because if you promote it as just creative writing, a lot of people look at that and go, you know, well, I don't really know that I need that. So you have to be thoughtful about what the value is. And so that's what I've been playing with. And that's a lot of the game is figuring out A, what makes your life better and B, what makes someone else's life better and how you can put those two things together for profit and support. Like this to me is another, it's like wearing another bra. Like I've got another thing to support now that supports my life, <laughs> my bank account, my interests. That's cool. And so we're doing that. And then, so we're launching it next week officially. And there's a lot of fun stuff that goes in with that and getting people excited. And this is something I always talk about is this idea that like, you have to be really thrilled with the things you're putting out there because it's the only way you're going to be also excited to talk about it and then get other people excited about your thing. If you're out there selling like glue, it's really hard to want to do that every day and show up and say, yeah, buy my yeah. glue. You got to start with something you're actually interested in. <laughs> Get excited about yourself is one of my big, is one of my big things because I, and I, I always sort of felt like, oh, you know, I always thought good things about myself, but I mean, I was working with a, I was working with a client recently and they were like, they basically came off immediately. Like nothing was going on in their humdrum life. Like their life was, you know, just, they were just going along. They didn't really care, complete apathy. And then, you know, after about some probing, if you guys can't see on the podcast, but I'm probing with a pen after some probing, come to find out this person is working on all these other, these things in the background. Like they actually have goals, they have ambitions, but they're too embarrassed to come out and tell me immediately. And I, 
I said, and I, I've learned a lot of this from you. I mean, honestly, that self-esteem just didn't exist in me a long time. And I don't know where it comes from. Um, maybe you can kind of shed some light on where you think it comes from. I don't know where it comes from, but what is that part about somebody that they are secretly excited, but they're too afraid to, when you ask, who are you? What are you about? What are you? That part that's too, ex- that's too afraid to be like, I'm this and I'm so excited. Like, what is that part? Because if what's, what do you think that that is? Like, the, where do you think that comes from? It's so, it's so judgment. And believe it or not, for as many years as I've been talking about the middle finger project publicly and had, I mean, people's mothers read my blog. Like sometimes that blows my mind. For as many years as I've been doing that, when my book came out, I, I started to retract a little bit in myself because now it felt like this big, serious thing. And I remember uh, seeing my neighbor outside one day and I had like this whole stack of books in my, in my purse. <laughs> Cause obviously <laughs> I'm just walking around with them, handing them out to strangers practically. And I saw the guy on the street and I, I don't know, we engaged and I said, I just published a book. Do you want one? I mean, it was ridiculous. But at the same time, I was, I was really nervous about presenting that to him because I realized in my head, like, Oh my God, he's going to think I am ridiculous. He's going to realize he doesn't have a serious neighbor. His neighbor published something called the Middle Finger Project. He's not going to look at me as a peer or an adult or anything anymore. I am now going to be a child in his mind. I mean, I went through all of these thoughts. And then yeah, I yeah. thought to myself, you know, this guy's like unemployed. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck do I care what this guy is thinking? Like, he's not thinking that. He's thinking, man, I wish I could do that. We have, we do a lot of this. We do a lot of this analysis of what we think other people's thoughts are. I just got a, uh, I got a tattoo yesterday. I got a tattoo. Now, of course, when the podcast comes out, people who I did get a tattoo yesterday, I got a tattoo on So I'm going to tell everybody what my tattoo is and I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. It's um, my tattoo. So uh, there was a, there was an artist in New York city. His name was Hash Halper. And he, his handle on Instagram was New York Romantic. And he drew chalk hearts all over New York, all over. I mean, and during the pandemic, I mean, there was a big major exodus from Manhattan and I live in Manhattan and I live alone. And it was cold here. It was very, it was very quiet. It was terrifying because COVID hit here first. And, you know, it was just, it it was, we didn't know what was going to happen. And everybody, you know, we have a a lot of love in New York and it didn't really feel like there, because we had to be so isolated. And his art, he drew these chalk hearts all over the street. There were just hundreds of, you know, every day there were more hearts. There were hundreds of hearts. They were everywhere. I mean, it was just such a beautiful thing. And he, he passed away. And, uh, by, he died by, he died by suicide. He took his own life. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was really, really sad. There was a, and it really affected me because of how much he affected me. And it was so deeply personal to me that like that, that he, he affected me so deeply because like his, when there was a, we have a community blogger and he posted online about, you know, that he had, that hash passed away and all these people were writing the same things about how the hearts got them through covid like all of this stuff so i wanted to get a tattoo of um oh my his God. his hearts on my i can't oh my show God. I can't you exactly but i can see it oh my god i see them that's awesome wow so i, I wanted to wow. to do that to remember that time and to remember that i'm a you know that i'm a bright light and that when things seem bad that you know you really are making a difference in someone else's life and I was 
embarrassed to go into this tattoo parlor and to explain this story. This is where I come in full circle with it to this person. I was embarrassed. I was like, this person's going to think I'm a psycho. This person is going to think that I'm, I'm, I'm nuts. This person is going to think that there's something wrong with me. Call the authorities, lock her up. (laughs) Yeah. That's probably one of the nicest tattoos ever. Like, that's the those are where our thoughts go our thoughts go to hi i just published a book penguin random house baby like i just i am like a like a a leader in my industry a pioneer like this is you i'm embarrassed to give this book to and then my like, name shut up. he's gonna think you're dumb like shut up yeah yeah wow this yeah. this is we have to fight this we have to fight this thought process how do we get to start? You and I are I have to have to lead the train. How do we ha- get how do we get to start? How do we start it? You know what? Funny enough, I had sort of a similar conversation in my very first publishing meeting in London. Speaking of London, this this whole conversation just came full circle right back to the end. Speaking of London, so there I go now all these years later and I have this meeting with with Penguin in the UK. And uh the editor takes me to lunch and we're at this really fancy like London hotel terrace. And I was shitting my pants, right? Cause I'm just like, this is awesome. However, there was this, there's this, there was this dynamic that I always introduce into conversations where I, I feel very humbled and I'm, um, maybe not sure what the next step is, but I feel almost like lucky to be there. And I think I had said something just very casual to the effect of, okay, like, give me all your tips. What do I need to do? How do, what do I need to, like, is it going to be good? Do you like it? Like, you know, kind of dialogue. And she looked at me and she was like, oh girl, let me explain something to you. <laughs> just like, it's a big deal to get published at all, ever but it's a big deal to get published in New York. It's a big deal to get published at Penguin Random House New York, but it's a bigger deal to get published here because we're much smaller. So we have to be much more selective, which means that the minute I sent your manuscript across the desks of these other, other editors, no one even knew anything else. They didn't read your proposal. They just read the opening chapters. They were all in. So you need to understand that if you're here, it's for a reason. It's not an accident. You didn't just like luck into it. This is because you're damn fucking good. So go into this book, understanding you are fucking excellent. And ever since she said that, I was like, how much of that applies to the rest of us? And all the times like that you've got, you, you've gotten this podcast, you know, like you're not running it because you're a moron. <laughs> you've, you've gotten here because you're actually fucking excellent. And how nice to go through the world and realize I'm fucking excellent. I'm excellent. Look at where I got to. You're doing stuff. Even if it's small stuff, you've gotten there. And then you're going to keep going. Cool, right? Fucking excellent. Fucking excellent. That is something that I think all people need to know because everybody is fucking excellent. And everybody just needs to show up. And who who the fuck cares? Show up. That's the hardest part. I mean, I could have easily, like, you get anxiety over everything. Over what if it's a flop? What if I can't do it? What if it ends up sucking? All those things go through everybody's minds, even my mind. And you just got to keep showing up every day and just ignoring it and saying, if I just put in the work and the process, you talk about this all the time with running. 
The process. All the time. The process. Yes. And and I think that I always think running is very good at, you know, because I I coached runners for a time and running is a very good translation to life. I mean, if you just show up every day, I ran a 630 mile this morning. I smoked for 18 years. Like, I mean, I, you show up every day. Yeah. Is it going to happen tomorrow? No, it might happen in five years, but if you don't start today with whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter what the fuck it is. If you don't start today and show up every day, five years from now, you're going to be standing right in the same place. I stood in the same place for 12 years. I mean, with my with my job. I stood in the same place for 12 years. So like a lot of people will talk about like, oh, you know, with relationships, they'll talk about friendships, they'll talk about careers, or, you know, these are all the themes that come up with coaching. And you just, you just want to say like, okay, so it's going back to that sunk cost thing. Okay. You put in a lot of time. You stood still for a long time. You can start today, or you can be 75 on your deathbed, regretting everything. The, regretting the last 50 years because every day was allegedly too late. Like she kind of gets every day. Oh man, that it's hard when you hear it that way, isn't it? Oh yeah. That's a good way to phrase it. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. And it also goes back to like what we talked about in the beginning of, of, of anything that you're trying to accomplish. Like it's like a big life hack is to realize that it really doesn't take all of the intelligence in the world a lot of the times it really just takes like the actual logistics of a thing you actually just need to move your legs one in front of the other and go do it every day stop thinking so much about it same thing with creativity business writing whatever you just got to sit down and start writing every day and stop overthinking it stop thinking about all the repercussions of it whether or not it's going to be good whether it's going to be bad what people are going to be thinking just forget all of it and just do the mechanical stuff and the mechanical stuff gets you there faster than being some bright, wonderful genius. And then if you are a bright, wonderful genius, then everyone will get to know about it. Or you can be like all, most of the, I know a lot of bright, wonderful geniuses because I'm really blessed, but I only know a few bright, wonderful geniuses that have done amazing things because most of the bright, wonderful geniuses that I know are too busy trying to make the first try perfect. Yes. Yes. And so much pressure to be a wonderful genius. And it's like, that's just not, that's just not, that's not how it goes. Wonderful genius. Actually, I felt the pressure with me and hair. I was like, oh my God, this isn't even my writing. And I needed to be the best. All the examples need to be the best examples that have ever been seen in the whole wide world. And then I have to keep going back to square one and reminding myself that iteration is everything. Just take this first step now and then iterate later, make it better later doesn't have to be great now. In fact, it can't be, it's impossible. So like sit with that truth and just make a shitty version now and then make it a little bit better next week. Like it's okay. (laughs) I, it's going to be fantastic though. It will every week, every week. It will be better than the week before as with anything that anybody does. Where can we find? Okay. So this is this is just my, I am so fucking honored that you came on the podcast today. Like you are like, just having you in this space is like, so it means so much to me because you have been just a guiding light for me. Um, so thank, thank you so much for it. I mean, you have, you've been a guiding light this, this whole, whole time. And I would not be where I am without you. So thank you. I want to know, can you please just tell everybody where they can find you? Tell them where they can find meat and hair. Tell them where they can find you in all places. (laughs) 
I have a lot of projects, but let's just stick to the basics. The middle finger project. You Google that, you will not not find me. It's all over the place. I've got a, I'm launching a new IG account soon, just at middle finger projects. And I'm very excited for that. And then meat and hair, the creative, uh, the creative writing newsletter I'm excited for. So that's just meatandhair.com. And same thing on IG, meat and hair. Twitter made me put with meat and hair because somebody else already had meat and hair from like a rock band from 2004 or something. And I was like, oh, really? But there it is. <laughs> Google either one of those and you'll find it. Very distinctive names indeed. Absolutely. So everybody, <laughs> that is that is a lot, but you guys can. And honestly, if you Google the Middle Finger Project, you will find Ash and then you will be able to find her on all of her outlets and then that will get you you can also subscribe to the Middle Finger Project, and then you're going to get an email from Yo, it's Ash. <laughs> you'll get, you will get one once a week. She's been that's her that that's that's the Yo, it's Ash. You don't get an email from Ash Amberjay. You get an email from Yo, it's Ash. Yes. Ash, thank you so much for being here today. It was so awesome. I really appreciate it. And everybody, check her out and. Yeah, thank you so much. I love you, Andy. I can't wait to see you in person. Hi, Energy Today on the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Big thank you to Ash Amber J for coming on the show. If you guys have not read The Middle Finger Project, you have to pick it up. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It is the best book that I read in 2020. And that book, along with Ash's guidance, has helped me change my whole life. So please pick up her book. Check her out, themiddlefingerproject.org meatandhair.com coming soon. Thank you so much, Ash, for being here. And if you guys want to be a guest on the Get the Fuck Off podcast, you can reach out to me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. You can visit me on my website, getthefuckoff.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. I send out content once a week to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you any longer. So definitely check me out there. Until next Monday, guys, take care, be safe, and I will see you back here really, really soon.